So, welcome to Mom, I'm a Rich Man. This is episode four, and I am joined today by Sandra. Sandra, please, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? And um, like I said, this is a conversation, so excuse me, I don't want to pronounce your surname incorrectly. Yeah, I said it. (laughs) Rather than making myself look silly. But yeah, please do tell us your full name. And That sounds great. Thanks, Natalia. (laughs) Great. My name is Sandra Spielberg, and I am the founder and CEO of Seeker Health. It's a digital patient finding platform that I started, built, and then sold to a larger company. And since I got this pretty unique opportunity to go through this whole process of starting, building, and then exiting a company, I took to writing a book called New Startup Mindset, which is coming out now. And that book talks about this journey and talks about the mindset of an entrepreneur um, and especially one that doesn't fit the mold, right? I'm a woman, I'm an immigrant, I'm a non-programmer. And here I've been in Silicon Valley, not following the formula, but still building a company that made an impact and had great value. Oh, brilliant, Sandra. One of the things that you just said that I have to take my hat off to you and I applaud you for, and you should be so proud of yourself, is that you followed through on your exit strategy. And not only have you built a business, but you've sold it. I think a lot of us find it really difficult to start with the end in mind. We're always told to, and we don't ever quite follow through. And it's very few people that I speak to that will say to me, yep, I sold. And I went for that exit strategy. So I would love just to hear more about, was that your intention from the beginning of your journey? Did it happen by accident? You know, what was the amount of time span as well of you starting that business to actually get into exit strategy? Yes, very good. Great question. So, um, I mean, I knew that companies generally had to have an exit strategy. So I knew that in the back of my mind. But when I first started Seeker Health in November of 2015, really what I focused on was those sort of like those leaps that you have to take in the beginning to start the business and then continue to build it. So my head was down. I was building, I was acquiring more customers, trying to make our products better. And I did that for about two years or so. And that's when I got my first offer. And it came from a company that was in an adjacent space and they were thinking through their strategy and they were saying, well, we could build this in-house or we could just go and buy it where it's already operational. And that was the first offer that I received. And I was a bit surprised by it. I had been you know, building the company for a couple of years, it seemed pretty early to me, but here was this company with an offer to acquire the, my company. So I said, let me take a look at it. And I started going through this process of considering the, L- the LOI, the letter of intent, negotiating, assembling my team. And then throughout that process, I got a second offer and I was under an exclusivity agreement with the first company. So I couldn't look at the second offer, but got back to them saying, maybe I'll talk to you later. And then a number of things happened that led me to think, wait a minute, let's, let me take a step back. This is all happening really fast to me. Do I really <laughs> want to sell this company? And if I do want to sell it, then that what's, what's the offer that is going to help me feel okay walking away from this creation that I made from scratch and took a lot of sweat, blood and tears. (laughs) (laughs) I totally, I totally get that by the way. And I think every entrepreneur does. It's a lot. (laughs) 
<laughs> exactly. And so around that time, I actually ended up hiring a coach to help me through that process. And I had never had a coach before, but I thought, here's a good decision point that I have to make. Is this a good time to sell the company or should I wait and keep building? And um, he helped me think of the problem from a perspective of two scenarios. I sell now or I don't sell now and I wait you know, another year and I continue building secret health and think through it from four parameters, right? My emotional health, my spiritual health, my physical health, and my financial health. Mm. And as we did that exercise, what came out for me was that one, I had built enough value that from a personal financial perspective, this was going to be meaningful to me. And once again, I'm an immigrant, so I don't have rich parents, right? I don't, I don't have that safety net already built. I am building it myself. Yeah, so for from sure. that perspective, yeah, that was, that was meaningful. And then the other perspective that was meaningful is that emotionally, it felt like I had done the heavy lifting for this business. And from now on, it was a matter of scaling and replicating. And there was something that was t a tiny bit less exciting to me about that <laughs> than what the first three years had been. And so um, next, after I had the clarity of saying, yes, this is probably a good time to sell this business, then we worked on what would that offer look like? if I could really ask for the good stuff, right? Like the really good stuff. And sometimes we struggle to really ask for what we want. Yeah. But if I could ask for what I want, then what would I look like? And literally on a piece of paper, I started writing what that would look like. And it had things that related to finances, like the valuation of the company and that kind of thing. But then it had other things that related to my personal life. Like most uh, acquirers will want the founder to stay for a period of time with the company. So, you know, deciding how long that would be acceptable to me. And then, for example, it had things related to how far the company can be moved, right? Because I had set up this company to be, you know, within three miles of my house. And so that was really convenient. I have children. I want to, I don't, they don't want to spend a lot of time commuting. So things like that of, you know, I got to lay out all the things that I wanted. And then what that helped me realize was that the first two offers that had come in were not the right offers. And so I said no. And then I wow. waited. And I, didn't know, <laughs> and I didn't know what else was going to come. But something else did come. And a third company came along. And by now, I did have clarity as to what I wanted. And so I was able to communicate that with them and start off the negotiation at that point. And, um, you know, that worked out and we went into due diligence for three months, more or less, you know, reviewing all of the different documents of the company and contracts and customers. And then on September 14, 2018, we closed the deal. And that was one <laughs> <Yay>! of the... <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you deserve a round of applause for that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That was one of the most memorable days, you know, of my life. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a huge achievement. And I do feel like as women, oh, we just don't really pat ourselves on the back and give ourselves enough credit. You know, we seem to think, even when you talk of the story, it's kind of like you were just taking it all in your own stride. And actually what you did was huge. Okay, so you've actually left me gobsmacked again. So not only did you get to your exit strategy and have two 
companies make you an offer, you actually turned them down and took the third. So you That's got, right. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Like if I was listening to the story, I'm thinking, oh my God, this is brilliant. I so wasn't expecting you to say that. So now it just feels like, oh my God, triple take my hat off to you. And one of the things that's made me think that you've even, you're inspiring me as we're speaking, and I think it would inspire a lot of women that will be listening to this, is tell me about your actual business. I would like to just gain an understanding of the business that you created, because clearly I'm guessing you must have been in a really, really niche marketplace and not in an overcrowded one for absolutely yeah for mm. companies to want to have bought your company and you had choice absolutely i had choice so i started out in a pretty niche market it became overcrowded but i'll take you through that because that's actually not something to be afraid of either way mm -hmm. so here's how i started the business i was working in the biotech industry right and i was working on the commercial side i'm not a scientist but i always like to be working on products that i call of high utility that at the end of the day they're helping someone on the other side and in biotech we create new treatments for people who need them um, and so at those biotech companies, one of the things that I really discovered was that these companies really struggled to find the patients that they needed to go into their clinical trials. And clinical trials are these studies that are mandatory for companies to conduct where they're testing this new medicine that they're going to bring to market. If they can't find these patients, by the regulatory agencies to get it approved and therefore they don't have anything that they can sell as a company. And so this is really a very important pain point. I saw it as an employee. I tried to help me with a Facebook campaign and then to help me with creating a website with a pre-screening form and it wasn't coming out to anything that was interesting. So my last job before I started the company was at a small company called Nora Therapeutics. They were developing a drug for recurrent miscarriage. And while one miscarriage is not uncommon at all, by the time a woman is having three or four or five, it becomes more of a rare disease. And so what I knew was that these women were on Facebook, they were on Google searching for information, and if we could intersect them there with information about the clinical trial, they would be very excited about it because there really weren't any other treatment options that were available to them. Um, and that's when I started trying to patch this together, wasn't finding good solutions. The company decided not to pursue the, the drug, not to continue that development. So I was actually out of a job. And I had that moment, wow. this is around November of 2015, when I am saying, well, I can polish up my resume and send it to recruiters, or I can go and take this leap and start this company. I already see that this company would have used whatever I created. It would have been better than anything that existed there. And just like this company exists, there has to be at least 10 or 20 or 100 other companies that have the same needs. And so, of course, I went with the latter, right? I didn't polish my resume. <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to say that. <laughs> I, I, um, I started a company and it, it was called Seeker Health and Seeker because we were seeking patients, right? And trying to do that in the most effective way using modern technology. And again, my industry, biopharmaceuticals, it's generally a laggard 
when it comes to technology, right? They, they, they take a longer time to adopt it. And so here's the thing. I started by doing Facebook campaigns for clinical trials. And here are two things that are beautiful about that. One, anybody can get up and do a Facebook campaign. It's not that difficult. They made their platform a little bit complicated now, but pretty much anybody can get up and put an ad together. Now, the yeah. second part that's beautiful about that was that not everybody can put together an ad for a clinical trial. Because you had to know a couple of things about the industry disposition. You had to know that they wouldn't want claims, any type of claim of efficacy or safety on it. You would have to know that they would worry about what users were saying under the comments. Like you would have to know that now it wasn't just a Facebook ad, it had to be a compliant Facebook ad. But in any case, I could do that because I had been in the industry for 15 years. I knew what they were worried about. I didn't necessarily know exactly how to fix all those problems, but I, I was going to get to that, you know, yeah. as soon as I had a client <laughs> to work on. And so basically that's, that's how I started. I started with um, one client, which then became two, that hired me to run these Facebook campaigns for the clinical trials. I wasn't building the website. I wasn't storing patients' data. I just started with that first part. And with that first part, it was providing me an income that was sufficient enough to, you know, live, but also start thinking, can I use this money to continue to develop the company, right? What else do my customers need? And that's a really important question. If you, yeah. you know, my, like my counsel for women is, if you could find an area where you could provide some type of service or some type of good that it's kind of like your minimum viable product and somebody wants it, then immediately after they want that, you want to be asking, well, I gave you A, how can I give you B and C and D and all these other things that you need, right? And so very quickly, a, a couple months into, uh, you know, starting the company, I said, well, they also need a website. So I'm going to build them a website with a pre-screener. Oh, most importantly, yeah, and most importantly, they need a patient lead management system, right? They need the salesforce.com for clinical trial patients, a place where we can store the information and whoever is going to be working on getting that patient enrolled in the trial can securely access that information. Now, I'm not a programmer, right? But I knew what that software needed to look like because I, in my mind, I had a pretty good idea of what the need was here. We need to manage this patient, right? We need to do it securely. We need to be able to share the information with a clinical trial site who can enroll them in the trial. And so I pushed into, for, into software development um, and used the money that I was getting in for the Facebook campaigns, the money for, let's say, part A to feed uh, part C. Um, part B didn't require a lot of investment, but part C required quite a bit of investment in hiring a couple of programmers part-time to help me code this platform. And that's what happened. We coded the platform and now, and once we, I did that, right. And I had this full offering. Now we were in, in business, right? Because now I could scalably provide a service that was end to end. It was fixing multiple problems for the biopharmaceutical companies. Yeah, wow. Again, you have blown me away because it's quite strange. I wasn't expecting you to say that, just to let you know, Sandra. When um, I asked you, you know, exactly what does the business do? Because it is biotech and because of what you do is so niche. 
um, I was expecting it to be some complicated model or <laughs> I was expecting it to be <laughs> something more scientific and you've just blown me away because actually what you did was because you used to be your client you was able to identify exactly what their needs were and what their weak points were because as scientists and especially a lot of people in technology especially a lot of men they don't understand a lot of soft skill roles like marketing and how to find what it is they need and what you was able to do was really identify what their needs were and you was able to get them what it was they needed by using Facebook using the internet and using digital marketing tools it's absolutely genius because it's an industry that doesn't really understand how all of that works so you was able exactly. to provide them a need but what was beautiful about it was that you could speak their language they wasn't having to speak to a marketing person like myself for instance that knows nothing about biotech <laughs> you knew exactly. exactly what their subjects needed you knew about all the laws confidentiality you knew it all um and i think for me what's resonated the most is that i run a monthly mastermind just for women in tech and I've been growing it this year and it's been getting bigger and bigger. And it's really strange, Sandra. Most of the women that come along are middle management and high up in technology companies want to start their own businesses and they don't know what in and they're not sure. They just know that they've got a passion around technology um, and they're just not sure what they want to do. I just think your story is so powerful for those women that are in those positions because actually the answer for a lot of them is right under their nose. What? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. Like, like do something that um, it's important to be familiar with the need. Um, yeah. but it's also important to recognize that you will not know everything about what you need to do in the business. And that's really important. That's actually chapter one of my book, which I call Beginner's Mindset. And to basically um, approach this process of starting a business now because it's the, mm. it's the first step that you take that allows you to identify what the second step needs to be and what the third and what the fourth but if you never start you never get a chance to actually you know experience the steps that are coming along the way so it's it's important to know something right i think i definitely yeah. my business definitely benefited from the fact that i knew the industry i understood the need and i had some connections that could give me the time of day in, in explaining to them what I was trying to sell to them. Uh, and also in, in helping me understand what I could be selling to them that was bigger than what I started with. Um, but I didn't have all the answers. I, a lot of it, I had to figure it out on my own. And I think that's a very important entrepreneur's mindset. For this sure. sort of beginners, you know, this beginner's mindset that, you know, many times, especially when we're women, we have so much on our plate that we tend to wait for something else to happen. Oh, no, I'm not going to start a company now. My kids are little. My, you know, I'm, you know, I need to have more money in the bank. Um, so-and-so is sick. So-and-so needs my help. And the bottom line is that until you start, you will not begin this journey of learning what you need to learn. Um, so my advice is start. There's never a perfect time to start. The perfect time to start is basically now. Yeah, it's a bit like having children when people say, you know, I can't believe you had so many because <laughs> most people <laughs> believe that I would have none. So the fact that I had three was like, wow. And I always say that to people. It's the same. There is never a right time to have children. 
Um, That's right. And you're right. You'll just always just keep having an excuse. Something will come up and you'll never do something. And that actually does bring me on. You mentioned it at the beginning when I was speaking to you um, about having a coach. And this is another thing that I think as women, we do need someone to talk to. I am a digital marketing coach. I used to do business coaching. Um, I am a qualified life coach, even though that is not what I practice. But I've got a coach. And I just wanted to see your viewpoint and the importance of yourself even having a coach and what that did for you in your journey and elevating yourself in business. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big believer in, in a coach. And I hadn't had one prior to having to consider the sale of the company, right? And I think ah. I haven't had one until then, because I just thought, you know, I'll figure it out somehow, or um, I'm pretty independent in thought. And, you know, what I'm going to think is sort of like, I'll figure it out. <laughs> was mostly the story. But, um, but the the way that I came into uh, c considering using a coach is that I went to a CEO summit. This was for my industry. It was a digital health CEO summit, a room full of 100 people who are building digital health companies like mine, right? In different areas, not a lot of competitors, but, but mine. And we had a discussion on burnout and on support resources. Mm. And I was on that panel. And it turned out that many of the people in the room, a few of the people in the room had coaches, right? And this coach uh, role was described as half business confident, right? Like here's what's going on for me that's really troubling me. And then the other half of the role is more of like an advisor, like somebody who's kind of been there, done that to some extent, and yeah. can sort of tell you what to think through. Um, and it sounded great to me. It, most of the CEOs that had one really enjoy that relationship and thought that it was valuable to spend whatever they were spending an hour every two weeks or an hour a week talking to this person. And so I left that conference with a couple of recommendations. And then at that same time, another person contacted me on LinkedIn, uh, Charles. Charles, and he also proposed to be a coach. And what I liked about Charles was that he had sold a software company of about the same size as mine. And so it was important to hire somebody who understood what position I was in. I was hiring this coach specifically to work on this question of, do I want to sell the company? And uh, do I want to sell it now? And what is the offer that would make me do so? And so I hired Charles. We worked a lot on what uh, he calls clarity processes, right? There's a question and the goal is to find some clarity, right? And to tap into my entire self, not just financially, not just intellectually, but all of the components that make me a whole person to attempt to answer the question. And that's what we did. And I highly recommend them. I think the, the concept is that what a coach really helps you do is one create space right because we're busy so it's sometimes yeah. very hard to pause and do this on your own um if you don't have somebody who's holding you accountable to show up to the call and you know uh, show up to do this work so one is that they create the space for you to have some time to do it and then two is that they create a bit of a structure and sometimes when we're thinking through some of these problems or questions uh, it can be common to just kind of go around the answer, go around the question without really getting to the heart yeah. of what is guiding 
right? What should be guiding your decision here? And I think with a coach, with some of the frameworks that they use, they are more detached than you are from the problem and they can help you um, find a framework that may work for solving the, the question. And then also maybe insert some of their commentary of things that they think you may not be seeing that might be important. Yeah, that was so eloquently put, by the way. Um, and you're totally right in a sense that, you know, even for me, when I started getting a coach, it's because I needed to make some decisions and I needed some help and guidance because entrepreneurialism is lonely. It really, really is. Even though yes. you're, you're busy there, you have to make decisions constantly for yourself, for your business, for your team members. And sometimes you just need that sounding board. And you are so right about making sure you've got a coach that understands the position of where you are. Um, probably one of my bear bugs in life, and it's probably the reason why I got into coaching, the volume of coaches that are out there that don't, haven't actually been through what they specialize in is phenomenal. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I, I don't think it should necessarily um, be allowed, but um, that was really well put for anybody that is looking for a coach. Those are really valid key reasons of when you need one and what type of coach you should be looking for. And with that as well, a lot of my following and myself, uh, my parents immigrants, they from the Windrush generation from the Caribbean. I just want to touch on also as well, you know, did you feel because of the blueprint that you come from when you're an immigrant of, you know, never being good enough or always feeling like you've got to work five times harder than anybody else? You know, is there anything... <laughs> that you would want to say to anybody else that, you know, is an immigrant and really wants to take control of their life and start their own business and get over some of those barriers. Is there any tips, advice that you would give women who can resonate with that? Yeah, absolutely. Immigration is such a central part of who I am. Um, and honestly, sometimes I find it difficult to talk about it without kind of my throat sort of choking up with emotion. Yeah. But here's the thing. Um, I immigrated to the United States when I was 16. I came from a country in Latin America called Uruguay. Almost nobody knows where this country is, but it's I Latin do. America. <laughs> <laughs> you was even in the World Cup, I can't remember what year for football. And we were like, yay! <laughs> And here's the thing, my family, my dad in particular, wanted to come to the United States for better opportunities to give us a better life. And the reality of it was that um, eventually we all accessed a better life, but immediately after coming to the United States, we had a worse life. We were poorer here than we were in Uruguay. We were more disconnected from community than we were in Uruguay, and we were starting from zero. All of us were, right? My parent, my mom, my dad, and my two younger brothers. And um, immigration is, is a very uh, traumatic experience, I think, for most people, especially if you didn't choose to do it. Like it was my case. I was brought here by my family. So it's a very traumatic experience. But at the same time, it does tend to develop this really um, innate survivor instinct and mm. grit that is so important to entrepreneurship that, um, Many times, I think that I have gotten as far as I have in entrepreneurship because I am an immigrant, right? Because there are a couple of things that I'm so used to. I'm so used to starting from zero. 
right? I've done it before. I didn't speak yeah, English. When I, I can came to so <laughs> resonate with that, the starting from zero. Right? It's like brush that dirt. Zero is, <laughs> it's normal. Um, yeah. I'm also so used to expecting disappointments. We had so many disappointments when we came here to the United States and somehow we got through them. I started to learn that they pass, that we resolve them, that we find a way out and that sometimes we even learn great things about, from these disappointments and, and they're important lessons that make us better at what we're doing. So that's also very important to entrepreneurship. And then the final part is grit. When, you know, I started from nothing. I've been working in some way or another since I am 14 years old, trying to make some money on the side or not on the side. And, uh, you know, what that teaches you is, is how to do that, how to show up every day, how to not give up, how to keep finding ways to make progress, right? So here's the thing with labels, immigration, woman, you know, whatever mm. it might be. They're, that's just what they are. They're a label. Um, and, you know, in part of the, my book, I say, let's check these labels. Like internally, they shouldn't really affect you negatively. I shouldn't be impacted because I am an immigrant. I shouldn't be impacted in my ability to produce because I am a woman, right? But, it, you know, they, they sometimes add very positive components. And so if we can start focusing on what are the positive components that I've gotten from these horrible, traumatic experiences that I've had in my life, then I can sort of get meaning now from them. Instead of being like, oh, immigration, you know, it broke my heart. I had to leave everybody I knew behind, learn a new language, start from zero, witness poverty, violence. Instead of thinking, just focusing on all of that, all of that is true, mm. right? I can also focus on, yeah, and you know what? It made me a stronger person. It made me somebody who can blaze these trails, who can take these leaps, um, and who you know, also has some empathy for people who are in, in that trauma right now. Yeah. It's about taking the best from everything in life and understanding that disappointment, failure is just a recipe for success. Um, th these things, uh, they're, they're here to test you and you're right. The grit is what makes you get up and think, I am not taking this and I will do it and I will succeed. Um, I really, really resonate with that. So Sandra, before we end up, please do just tell us an over um, or picture of your book, its title, where you can get it and you know, the why you wrote it. Yes, I would love to do that. So the book is titled New Startup Mindset. 10 Mindset Shifts to Build a Company of Your Dreams. It's available on Amazon. It will be um, available on paperback, audiobook, and ebook formats. All three formats will be available at launch. And um, I wrote the book because this was a really meaningful experience that I went through, this process of starting, building, and exiting a company and doing it in a way that was not what I had seen around where I live, right? I live in Palo Alto, California. This is Silicon Valley. There's a formula on how to do this. And there are people who fit that formula, right? Mm. I don't fit that formula and I didn't follow the formula. And so I'm on the other side of this now, right, having gone through this entire journey, and I really felt the need to share what I had done and how I had done it so that other people can also feel empowered to blaze their own paths, right? 
They don't want to raise venture capital. Well, I didn't, right? They want to program some software and they're not a programmer. Well, I did that, right? Yeah. Um, and to sort of begin to free themselves from some of these limiting uh, beliefs. The, the book is organized into three parts. Start, where we talk about the mindset required to begin. How do you begin? How do you take this leap that seems pretty enormous? How do you do that? And it gives some very specific tools on how to make that happen. The second part is build. And that's the majority of the book where we talk about, you know, all the things that are necessary to build a business, right? Um, positioning, lots of marketing in there because yeah. that's a lot of my background. Um, positioning and how do you deal with competitors and how do you hire and how do you protect yourself from burnout, right? During this period of time. So all that is covered and built. And then the last part is exit. And that's where I help, um, I help people understand what their options are, right, for a potential exit and help them get a little bit more intimacy as to what these deals can look like, right? So that you can start thinking, well, maybe that's what I should be thinking about for my potential exit from my business. Yeah, no, um, I'm, I for one cannot wait um, to read it. <laughs> I actually started, Great. I actually went on the pre-order. The details of the book will be with the write-up that goes with this podcast, but you are really inspiring. You should be incredibly proud of yourself. What you've done is absolutely phenomenal and that is grassroots up and it deserves recognition. Um, so I've, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. You have lifted my spirits. You have made me want to get even more grit and just, you make me feel like I want to go boot camp and go, ah! <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And, and get going. And I'm sure you're going to do that for a lot of other women that listen to this show. So I cannot thank you enough for having you on here. Um, and like I said, all your tags and everything will be on the write-up that goes with this podcast. And uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Natalia. I really loved our conversation. And, uh, you know, thank you for providing this platform, right, for all of us to share what we're working on. Yeah, no, it needs to be, especially as women, it really does need to be. But I shall see you guys on the next episode. <laughs>